welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, a podcast where we try to loosely follow the Come Follow Me schedule provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and where we try and take the scriptures and apply them uh, to our daily lives and find ways in which the Lord is trying to speak to us today. Uh, I know it's been a little while. Um, I've kind of been burning the candle at both ends a little bit, trying to get Christmas presents done, trying to, you know, Christmas parties, all the all the joys of, of the Christmas season, and uh, this last Tuesday I was I was not able to to get to making a podcast, making another episode. So I apologize for that. Um, but looking ahead, um, next week is Malachi, and Malachi contains only three chapters. So I'm thinking what we'll probably do today is we'll go over Haggai and then Zechariah one through three, um, and then on. This coming Tuesday, we will go through Zechariah 7 through 14, and then on that Thursday, we'll go through Malachi. Um, but that's, and then that, that's it. And then we'll, then we'll have one short little Christmas episode. Um, and then that's it for the year. That's, that's kind of the, the stressor point for, I'm sure, many of us that uh, it, it's 2022 is wrapping up. It's, it's almost over. It uh, doesn't mean anything magical is going to happen unless we unless we decide to make changes. But uh, anyways, so that's kind of a little brief look into the, the future for our schedule and the outline that I, I'm going to try and follow. Anyways, um, let's jump into it. And as usual, let's start off with a word of prayer first. Our dear Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this day. We are grateful for the moisture we've been receiving. We are grateful for the safety we've been able to enjoy. We're thankful for our health, and we're thankful for uh, the many blessings that was bestowed upon us. We're thankful for this time of year that we get to uh, try to focus a little more on the and, and on the birth of our our Savior and um, what that would mean for all of us. Father, we are grateful grateful for the scriptures and we are grateful for the opportunity we have to pray and to ponder and to come closer to thee father we are so very grateful for the many many blessings in our lives we ask thee now father that as we turn to look at these at the scriptures that thou wilt guide us that we will have thy spirit with us that we will know what things that thou wouldst have us apply into our lives Help our hearts to be open and our minds to be clear, that we might be willing to hear the messages. Help us to repent and to come closer to Thee, Father. Forgive us of our sins. And we pray for these things ever so humbly in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Haggai. Haggai is a short little, uh, short little book, but there's a lot that goes on in Haggai. Um, so just kind of a little bit of a background as we'll right here at the very beginning. In the second year of Darius, the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shaltiel, the governor of Judah. And to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, All right, so we can see that um, this is all happening kind of to towards the end or at after the end of the book of Daniel, chronologically speaking. So uh, the Persians have 
uh, overthrown Babylon. They've taken over Judah. They've taken over uh, Israelites as well, or I guess Judah as well. And um, now Darius has released them and has said, go back home to your um, to your to your homeland. And as they go, as they get there, um, they're trying to rebuild, you know, rebuild their homes and take care of their their own things and get things ready. And then um, they have the high priest Jehozadak, and they have their governor Zerubbabel. Um, we'll kind of get into it a little bit more as we kind of press forward as to why those two are spoken to. But let's find out what the Lord is going to say to them now that they've returned back to Jerusalem. They've returned back to the Holy Land. Here they are. You know, they've, they've assembled once more. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So there, there's been talk that the, that the temple should be rebuilt. But the people are saying, no, it's it's not time. It's we we've got other things that are more important to work on. But then the Lord, but then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, "Is it time for you, O ye, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and your house in and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways." So this is um, a very point poignant and pointed statement to them. Um, sealed houses, if we look at the footnote, um, it talks about a paneled, uh, paneled houses. So basically, it, the Lord's saying, look, you're not living in in huts, or you're not living in tents, or, or anything like that. You're living in very nice houses, and you're, and you're concerning yourself with making sure that your very nice houses look even better. Consider your ways. Is that the path you want to follow? Do you want to go down that path again? You just, you, you've just come out of captivity. We, you just got to the end of that lesson. Once. Are you sure that you want to be more focused on the things of the world than the things of the Lord? Is that what you want? And I think it's interesting that I'm sure that there was a, a slight um, callback to the time when their forefathers, far, far in the past with Moses, they did live in tents. They did live in tents and they had nowhere to live. And yet they still had the tabernacle. They still had a form of the temple with them because it was important to them. And so the Lord is saying, consider your ways. This is, this is a moment. This is, this is going to be a hinge point. We're either going to um, have the same issues we had last time, or things can be different. In verse 6, Ye have sown much, and ye bring in little. Yet ye, ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Um, if you do listen to, to Jared Halverson's Unshaken, I would suggest listening to that. Um, he has a really good analogy about, uh, putting your wages into a bag with holes. Um, but kind of playing off of what he said a little bit and a thought that I had as I was setting up this morning, um, 
was I remember a time when my I was sat down with my grandpa and we went through all of his all of his loose change. He had a habit of every time he would go somewhere and he bought something with cash, he would bring home the loose change and he would basically put it and throw it in a bucket and just hang on to it. And it had been it had been a couple of years, I think, but then we pulled out he wanted to know how much was there. And we pulled out um his loose change buckets and we went through it and it, it was it was substantial. There were it was basically like two five gallon buckets full of loose change. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't like there was a, a few pennies or anything. And that's that's the thing is you know, we went through that and because it wasn't just loose change that fell through the cracks or um got lost in the couch or got dropped on the ground and left and or or lost in the washing machine or these different things that it wasn't put into a bag with holes every little bit was saved and because of that in the end he had a large amount you have sown much and bring in little you eat but you have not enough the lord is saying okay let's let's look let's look at where we're where we're at right now Let's look at how you how you where you're at. Temporally, yeah, you live in you live in nice houses, and you're back in in Jerusalem. You're back here again. But it's not fulfilling to you. Why? Why isn't it fulfilling to you? Why does it feel like you're running in circles? Why does it feel like nothing is actually being accomplished? Why does it feel? Like you're wandering aimlessly. Like you're out there laboring and you're earning money, but it, it never seems to be enough. You have all this food and you eat, but then at the end you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm physically full, but there's still something missing. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. The Lord is reminding his people in this moment. Do you remember? What's most important to you? I've just brought you out of captivity. I want to know, what is the most important thing to you? Is it worldly gain? Is it social status? Is it the way that your family might see you? Or that others might see you? Is that what's most important? Or is it the will of God? Therefore, verse 10, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the lands. The Lord is 
now trying to, to turn the people back to him to say, look, remember where your blessings come from. Don't, I'm going to, I'm going to try and cut you off at the pass before you start going back to ball to praying about, oh, you know, things are getting hard. We want to have more money. We want to have more stuff or, oh, we want to have more, uh, more posterity. So we're going to go to, go to Ashtaroth or, oh, we want, you know, before you even go there, remember who it is. I'm the one that sent the drought. I'm the one that sent the famine. I'm the one who can undo it all. It might sound like, oh, the Lord's trying to hold his people hostage by saying, well, if you don't pray to me, then I'm going to kill you. No, that's not the case, because that's not the character of God. God is putting them through a hard moment in order that they will say to themselves, what? what are we going to do? I can't fix this. But I know who can. And oh, we haven't been doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know what? Maybe we should have family prayer. Maybe we should have family scripture study. Maybe I should study the scriptures on my own. Hard times and tribulations can be a wonderful blessing for us if we use them to come back to the Lord and to do the things that He is trying to get us to do. And the fact of the matter is that when we do that, when we return to the rock of Christ and stand firmly on that foundation, we find that the waves and the storm, the storms aren't so bad. That it'll all be all right. That's where the reassurance and the joy can come from. It's the only place that they can truly come from. Verse 12, then Zerubbabel, that's a hard one for me to say, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Isn't it refreshing <laughs> that um, here we finally have in the Old Testament uh, in, in the smaller prophets in the end, we finally have the people say, oh, what? The prophet saying something? We will accept him as the Lord has sent him. We will obey the word of the Lord as it has come to us. We're not going to piecemeal it. We're not going to take it apart and say, well, I, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're on to something, but I think we're going to change it up and just kind of do what we want to do. No. They said, you know what, Haggai, you're right. And I'm sure that the Lord rejoiced in that. I'm sure that Haggai rejoiced in that. And I'm sure that later on the people also rejoiced that they had made that decision. Then spake Haggai in verse 13, the, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's, me in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor, 
of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month of the second year of Darius the king. So this is a very uplifting, very triumphal chapter. You know, they start off very much like, okay, we're back. We're, we're very focused on the, the things of the, the world. We're trying to get things set up. Now things are going. You know, we want to just really be a powerful nation. But why, why are we not getting there? We just don't feel like we're as powerful or as, or as strong or as formidable as we were uh, in the days of our fathers. Why Why is it just not amounting to anything? And then Haggai kind of comes along and taps him on the back and maybe maybe kind of cuffs him upside the head a little bit softly and says, well, you know who you're forgetting? The one who's made us special all along. The one who makes anyone special. And the people said, oh, you're right. You know, you're right. And they repented. And they started to work on the temple. How wonderful that is. The path of repentance can be hard and arduous, but it is always worth it. Always. All right, so in chapter 2, in the seventh month, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? So the Lord is is asking, he said, Okay, who... Who among the people that are on the earth, or that are in, amongst the children of Israel today, who remembers the old temple and what it used to look like when, when the, the temple that Solomon built? And are you thinking to yourselves, this is not the way it should look. This is not as, you know, where's the gold? Where are these, the, the cedars of Lebanon? Where are all these wonderful, marvelous, beautiful works? Where, where are all these things? And are you saying that it's not? You know, you, you, you feel like, oh, well, it's not it's not as pretty. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. So, Lord, I have to imagine, I have to imagine that the people were thinking, that were called back to that, that a, the idea of the original tabernacle that was made from goat skins and from, you know, from posts and from whatever they, they could gather from the desert. There were, there was no gold. There was, and if there was, it was very little. It was the gold that was taken from the calf and taken from what they could from Egypt. It wasn't their own gold. It wasn't the gold they had bought through their power and their might. It was gold that was gifted to them by their captors on their way out of captivity. And the Lord is telling them what it looks like. 
what it looks like isn't as important as the fact that I am with you. What would you prefer more? He's almost, he's almost echoing the callback a little bit of consider your ways when he says, what is more important to you? Having a glorious, beautiful temple for you to say, see, our God is powerful. Or to have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords be amongst you. What is more important? We will see in the coming year and in our final lesson this year that even the Lord himself, the great Messiah, Savior of all, despite his high and noble birth, he was born in a lonely manger in the stable with no trumpets, no attendants, quietly. And only those who had eyes to see and ears to hear were given a chance to know anything of it. And so the Lord says, in a way to us here, and in a way to the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah at the time, if what you're looking for is glory and might and power and gold and the things that many of the worldly kings have, you're going to be disappointed. That's not the point. The point is eternal life eternal joy, eternal families. That's the point. And when you feel comfortable knowing that it's enough for you and the Lord to be just you and the Lord, then comes those blessings. Then comes the blessings of power. Then comes the blessing of might. Then comes... Then then comes all those other things. But the Lord says, I must come first. I must be, like he said from the Mount Sinai, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Even the temple the temple cannot be thy graven image. God does not want us to worship anything in place of him, even if it calls remembrance to him. No. Why would you place something, the Lord says, why would you place something between us? I am a personal God. I am, a, I am an individual God. That was why the people during you know, the people of, of Moses' time were were so I guess I should say disgruntling to the Lord. <laughs> they caused him a little bit of a they caused him and Moses to be upset. Moses called down to them and said, Prepare yourself, for tomorrow we will see the face of God. If you will sanctify yourself, you can you can enjoy the blessings 
of being welcomed into the presence of God, if you will prepare for that. And the people said, no, 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 thanks. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see God. I don't want to take any part in that. Moses, you're the prophet. You're not going to pass your job off onto us. We want you to go speak to God and then come back and tell us what he wants. We don't want to prepare ourselves. And yet, President Nelson seems to be saying the same thing when, he talk, when they talk about hear him and sanctify yourself. He's calling out to us, please, the Lord, the, the prophets are telling us, the Lord wants to speak to you. How that will happen, I cannot say. God is a very individual God, and his reasonings and his ways are higher than our ways. We know that. And so why he speaks the way he does, or when he does, or how he does, or the things we have to do to sanctify ourselves, to come closer to him, I cannot say. But the truth and the undying fact is that he wants to speak to you individually. If nothing more than to confirm that he truly does love you. I'd really like to continue to talk on that. We need to move forward. In verse 6, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory and with the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts. He's saying, don't, don't concern yourself that there's not enough gold or there's not enough silver or there's not... That's all mine anyways. This place will be greater than in the days of Solomon. This place will I give peace. And during this time of Christmas, when a lot of us get so hectic with running around and trying to give presents and trying to go to parties and try to do these different things, I'm afraid that we miss out on what's truly important, the true gift that Christ is trying to give us. Peace. Now, I don't know how to access it fully, to be honest with you. That may be something that we must each ponder and pray about on our own. How do we let Christ in? Or how, instead of letting him in, because there is no room in our daily lives, how do we leave the hustle and the bustle and the crowded, cramped, busy inn that we're currently in that we're currently in, <laughs> to go out to the quiet, calm, stable, and 
find the peace that he brings for all those who will come unto him. Verse 10. In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word, <clears throat> the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt and his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread, or pottage, or wine, or oil, or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. So he's asking them, So if you're a priest, and you're, you're, you're carrying something holy, and you, you walk by and maybe you touch something, does because of the holiness of what you're holding, is now that thing considered holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands. That which they offer there is unclean. And now I pray, Consider from this day and upward, from before the stone was laid upon the stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days were when one came to any to an heap of twenty measures, and there were but ten, when one came to the press fat, for to draw out fifty vessels out of the press, and there were but twenty. I smote you with a blasting, and with mildew, and with hail, and with labors of your hands, Yet ye turned not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. So the Lord is, he, he, he says, bring, bring the priest, bring the high priest, Joshua. Let's talk to him. He asks, because you touch a holy thing, are you made holy? Well, no. Right. If you are unclean and you touch something, what does it make that unclean? Well, yes. Okay. Once again, consider your ways. You're here working on the temple which is a good thing. It's good for you to work on the temple. But do you imagine that just because you're working on the temple, that somehow makes you holy? Or does your uncleanness, because you have not yet fully sanctified yourselves and repented of your sins, does that then in turn make the temple unclean? Consider your ways. Are you simply here building the temple in order to mark it off your list and say, see, Lord, we did it. Now can I go back? Or are you allowing the temple to pass not just through your hands and over your tools, but are you allowing it to pass deep into your heart to be cleansed? Spiritual side. Check. Verse 20. And again the Lord came unto Haggai, saying, 
in the fourth in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zeru good grief. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. So we begin to see this duality that we will see and we will hear often spoken of about Christ. About him being a prophet, priest, and king. Haggai the prophet has just told Joshua the priest that the people need to sanctify themselves. God has spoken through the prophet to the priest to purify the people. And then the prophet has spoken to who, in this sense, functions as the king or the governor, the political head, and told him that he will protect the people, that he will shake all the nations. Prophet, priest, and king, I will make thee as a signet. God, God is doing what he can to lay out the form, the pattern, the symbol, the, the things that they are to look for, to know who is to be the Christ. And while it is very easy for us to say, well, hindsight is twenty twenty. we can look back and, you know, we can, I guess the term is Monday morning quarterback, despite me not knowing anything about sports, um, to go back and say, well, they should have done this. Well, yes, because we weren't there. We, we weren't there living it, certainly. But the truth of the matter is the answer was there in the scriptures for anyone who was willing to take the time to read, to ponder, and to ask the Lord to search, ponder, and pray. It is the pattern laid out by the Lord to gain greater knowledge, to gain the peace, to find our way in the world, to look back. I had the thought last this, this last Sunday that even if God was a brand new God, from day at the very beginning of the Bible, when Adam first hit the earth, if that was his first day of being a god, well, we should have some pretty good comfort and some pretty good reassurance that he will take care of us because he's had how many thousands of years of practice now? And we can, we can look back over his record and see his record. And we know well, that, okay, we, we know how the Lord operates. We know what he, what he wants for the people. And here we see it. We see that these people, they started off, they started off having a rough time, just like they've always done. They started off having forgotten the Lord, going down this path, and he sends a prophet like he always does, telling them to repent, telling them to come back. 
And they do. They come back. And the Lord pours out his blessings on them. But the thing is, you can't just imagine, oh, well, I repented of the sin that the prophet told me, so now we're fine, we're good, I can just coast at this level forever. No. That's not how eternal progression works. That's not how you become a god of worlds without end. That's not how you become the king of kings and lord of lords. And That's not what he wants for us. He doesn't want you to just coast at one level forever. We have to get it out of our minds that the hard work, the struggles and the tribulations and the trials, that they are wrong, that they are bad, that we want to avoid them. No, we shouldn't go out seeking trials. We shouldn't go out making problems in the world just to have more things to deal with. Heaven knows there's enough out there to deal with as it is. God wants us to increase day by day that thereby we might join with him in eternal glory. But we have to ensure that we're not putting our wages into bags with holes. Are we going to church, hearing the wonderful message, thinking, oh, you know what, I think I think that is something I should work on. And then we come home from church and we get too busy worried about lunch or dinner or, oh, we got to go visit the grandmas or, oh, we got to go visit these people or, oh, we need to run over here and, oh, Monday I've got this project that needs to be turned in. And we forget it. And that wage slips out of the hole in our bag and is lost. Consider your ways finish off, we will jump over to Zechariah, chapters 1 through 3. Um, so this is about the same time. Uh, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the, of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Bechariah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye are not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I command my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us, according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. So the Lord's calling out once again to the people. And he's asking them, he's saying, you're not the same as your fathers, but where are your fathers and the prophets that were there before them? Where are they? Do they live forever? No, of course they don't. You know that. You know that no one does. But, what about my commandments? Did did was there a second Moses that rose up and said, "Okay, the the law has died. Uh, there is a new law. Uh, this is the new law." Do you remember that happening? 
No, I don't either. I never sent anybody to say that. So the law is the same. And so my blessings for following the law are the same. Upon the fourth and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is in the month Sabbat, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Bechariah, the son of Ido the prophet, saying, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom, and behind him were, were there red horses speckled with white. Then said I, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee that the, what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord hath sent to walk to, to and fro through the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord and that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, the earth is still and is at rest. <clears throat> If if the imagery of colored horses does not bring another um, uh, scriptural book to mind, I would suggest that you take time to ponder that and to think about that, um, about what red a red horse might mean and what a white horse um, might mean. Um, think about and study, and I would suggest um, we're 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 out of time as it is. Zechariah will have these visions, and he will he's going to to begin to speak about what's coming for the people, what is coming. And right here, starting off, he is calling out and saying, All right, the Lord wants to know if you still remember the commandments. And he gives to Zechariah, the Lord gives to Zechariah a vision of a red horse. We have just gone through a terrible time of war. Red horse symbolizing war and bloodshed. And then comes the red horse speckled with white or the white horse speckled with red. Symbol, and they, they, the riders thereon say, all is at rest and the earth sits still. Through the bloodshed, through all the war and through all the hardships, peace has now been laid. Darius, the king of Persia, has conquered, and he has overtaken, and he has set the earth at rest and returned the people of Judah to their homes. And now, what will they do with this? What will they do with this time? It is time for rebuilding. It is time for the people of the Lord to re It is time for them to return to their old ways. Not the old ways of sin, but the old ways of the law. The old ways of the Lord. To return to Him, to repent. This is that time. The Lord has given them peace. Are they going to use it? And that is what the Lord will ask us all. After you repented of your sins and came back to me, I gave you that peace, the surety, the, the knowledge that you are on the right path. 
Did you sit down on the path and say, this is where I am. I'm, I will stay here forever. Or did you rise up from the path, put on the wedding garment, and make the journey? The Lord will ask us all in the end, what didst thou do with the talent that I gave unto you? Did you bury it? Or did you work to make it greater? Did you magnify your calling and thereby magnify the Lord? I testify that he, he will help us. The Lord never gives a command that he won't help us with. I testify that he loves us and that despite the chaos of the day, we can find the peace if we will do what we must to find it. Nevertheless, with his hand is stretched out still, he calls out to us always and forever. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.